Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, hosted by Georgia Organics. I'm Mary Elizabeth Kidd, the Communications Manager at Georgia Organics. This week, we're headed safely to Athens with a quick detour in Rome. First up, we're at the Athens Farmer's Market, catching up with Tamita Brown and Gabrielle Jimenez, owners of Caribe United Farm in Oglethorpe, Georgia. Next up, we have transitional gardening tips for the season with Dr. Brian Campbell of Barry College and the Rome Food Oasis. Stay tuned for a future episode as we share a full conversation with our Rome Food Oasis partners. Finally, we're raising a glass for the holidays and welcoming the new Lark Wine Space to Athens and talking with owner and sommelier Krista Lark Slater about her beautiful new venture. Stay tuned and enjoy. First up, Tamita Brown and Gabrielle Jimenez of Caribe United Farm insist on raising animals the right way. They're currently raising chicken, duck, guinea fowl, pigs, and more in a method that is responsible, respectful to the animal, and which honors their Caribbean backgrounds and extensive travel. We talked about their backgrounds and also the delicious holiday offerings inspired by their Jamaican and Puerto Rican roots that you can order online. You can support Caribe United Farm and help them grow their operations by donating to their GoFundMe campaign, which is currently ongoing. You can find their GoFundMe via their website, caribeunitedfarm.com. In the meantime, enjoy our conversation. All right. So I am, we are live from the Athens Farmer's Market. They just kind of closed up shop for Saturday. It's a nice, chilly, but not too cold morning. <laughs> and I'm here with the lovely folks behind Caribe United Farm. And if y'all could just give us a quick intro and, and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hi, my name is Tamita Brown. I am originally from St. Elizabeth, Jamaica. Um, I've been here in the United States for about el uh, 11 years. 11 no. years. <laughs> no. Oh, 2009. 2009, then 2014. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been a while. <laughs> We've been here for a while. So myself and myself and my husband, Gabriel. Gabriel. Hi. <laughs> yes, my name is Gabriel Jimenez. Where well, are you from? Oh, Puerto Rico. <laughs> Bayamón, Puerto Rico. Okay. So, yeah. So, this is us, um, Tamita and, and Gabriel. So, we are the Caribe United Farm duo. So, we started out in 2018. 18. Great. And um, at home... We started off in 2016 just raising chickens for ourselves, for, oh, okay. uh, for eggs, chicken and eggs. And so our friends started asking us for chickens and for eggs. And basically that is how, is how we started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is from where you all are based out of in Oglethorpe. It was just kind of neighbors in the area and... No, the, these oh, were okay. high school friends from oh, Jamaica. Yeah. Friends from Jamaica who live here in, um, in Atlanta. So, and my co-workers at, at Stone Mountain, when I used to work at Stone Mountain Middle School also, okay. and uh, they wanted eggs and, um, you know, I'm always touting how I grew up in Jamaica and growing our own stuff and <clears throat> living off the land basically, growing our food and, and raising our animals and wanting that experience again. Yeah. So that is 
why really I start we started doing that yeah yeah, yeah. talk about that a little bit because that's so interesting that that was part of your childhood and you're growing up in Jamaica and how has that now translated to y'all's work here in Georgia okay so growing up my both my father but my parents were farmers my mother was a dressmaker what you call a dressmaker but she also has her own little garden going on yeah. um, my grandfather was a farmer also so we were my grandfather has this 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 theory to always have something in the soil mm -hmm. always plant something mm -hmm. you know don't don't just let the land sit there mm -hmm. make sure that you plant food to eat mm. and so um, that kind of resonates with me all through this way because even though we were here in um, in the United States I always said to Gab and Gabriel that um, the, the eggs I want to taste eggs like I used to eat when I was in Jamaica mm -hmm. and um, and so being able to do that was 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 pretty awesome yeah right my husband's a city boy <laughs> right <laughs> he, he's a city boy but his mother always had a little garden in, in the back on, in her backyard yeah. where she grows her colantro colantro and her our cilantro um and she had her banana trees wow. and Walking. pumpkins she always has those uh, those and her lime tree there's always a lime tree oh, uh, where yeah. she is so um I guess you know it even though he didn't have the whole garden had to um, I had to carry water on my head to feed the to water the goats because we didn't have running water yeah um, where we are we had a tank but not a running water so we had to take water on our heads to feed um, to water the animals and we had to go um, move them every day and um, help my dad like pull scallion and, and strip what we call a strip off scallion which is clean the scallion for selling mm. yeah um, um, pick off peanuts because we plant if we do they do crush crops yeah yeah. cash crops so it was scallion onion thyme pepper hot scotch bonnet pepper um, sweet pepper um, melon tomato carrots too. tomatoes wow. so those were the cash crops Melons, that we did watermelon. melon and cassava we always had yeah. the cassava because cassava. we made bummies uh -huh. we do bummies gungo, gungo peas and beans yeah. broad beans wow, what, what yeah. you guys call butter beans here broad beans and the smaller beans that was lima beans and gungo peas mm -hmm. so we always had those and sorrel we do our sorrel to raise our own sorrel and um, grow our own sorrel and lots of mango trees mangoes uh, sweet sop sour sop pomegranate um, tamarind uh -huh, so we wow. had all those things growing up and so that's what I wanted to replicate here in um, here yeah. in Georgia and being in the south it's not very far south but it's still you know we're able to grow quite a few um, things here yeah. yeah yeah and with him him going to Jamaica um, I think it started with his is going to his visit his sister in the country in Puerto Rico back in the day yeah oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a sister she's in, in a city called Cabo Rojo uh -huh. um, that's like a used to be a country it still is a country but you know some modernization just came to that um, city but oh, anyway okay. I'm going um, back in the day to that place um, I remember looking at some people with land. Um, they were having like pigs, um, farming pigs, or having a little bit of a garden, this and that. Um, so I wanted to emulate that when I saw that. Yeah. Um, but I was a city boy, yeah. Um, but my mother always, you see in, in the Caribbean, I guess like in here in USA, some people they dream about having a land even if you are in the city. So they still um, garden, they still, um, even some people they have chickens um, 
in the metro area um, yeah. and animals too. So we dream about having land to have our own food. And that was my mother and also my father. Um, so yeah, that's how we are in the Caribbean. Um, I guess I wanted to emulate or do that in a little bit bigger scale. Not yeah. that big, but you know, like the way that we're doing now. Oh. Well, talk a little bit about your relationship. How did you meet? And then what <laughs> what part did food play in it? Because oh, you so both have there. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you want the short story or the long story? <laughs> short one, please. We can keep okay. it short, and, and we'll talk a little okay. bit about relationships, and we'll talk oh, about okay. chickens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I we met at the University of West Indies um, mm-hmm. in, in Jamaica, Mona. In Jamaica, so he was an exchange student. He yeah. came to Jamaica on an exchange program from the University of Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. and so um, I used to work in the language lab there in um, at um, UE, and so he came into the he he was supposed to be going to the the computer lab, but he got lost and ended up in the language <laughs> lab. Mm. And um, I spoke Spanish then. I, I spoke Spanish way before I met him. Don't think that I... Uh, <laughs> okay. He was because of him that I learned Spanish. <laughs> so I spoke Spanish before I met him. So when he came in, I, he, he realized that I spoke Spanish. So he, he kept coming back every day since. He was there every <laughs> single day after that. Yeah, I, I was so. <laughs> eager to talk to somebody in Spanish. So I guess I, I found a person and... I kept coming here to talk to you in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You and spoke so the same language in many ways. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That's 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 how it was. Yeah. And so yeah, and then um, he left. He didn't finish the program, did you? No. no. He left at the end of um, November. About, in November, November, yeah. November, he left, and we kept in touch yeah. for a while, and then we kind of lost communication, and it was 2004. 2004, yeah, I was heading off to Japan, mm-hmm. and I guess he was heading off to Wisconsin to do his. Not ma- really. I was just doing, applying, doing nothing, like. <laughs> and then the following year, yes, in 2005, yeah. I did apply to um, University of Wisconsin. Yeah, so he out of the blue sent me an email, and um, we started communicating again. Mm. And uh, when he went to uh, Wisconsin then it was skype was our best friend so yeah yeah yeah. and then 2005 we decided to december 2005 we decided so we give it let's give us a try so it was all long distance yeah Yeah. and then 2006 he came to japan to visit me for a month during summer during the summer he was there for a month and can i tell you wow he came the sunday i went to work the monday i came home the monday my total apartment was so was clean and there was a meal cooked and ready <gasps> for me. Yeah, and well. I was like, this one is a keeper. <laughs> yeah, I was hungry. The way to anyone's heart yeah. is through their stomach. So, yeah. So, he came. And then wow. the summer. Then that was summer. Then December. December, he went to Jamaica a week ahead of... Uh, to meet your family. To meet my yeah. family a week ahead. So, my brother picked Grandma. him up at the airport. Yeah. And... um. So he stayed with my family a week, and during that week, I was like, I think like the Monday or Tuesday, my mother called me and said, oh my God, he cleans. He tidies and he cleans, something that your father doesn't even do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, they loved him from the onset. Well, that's great. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then, um, 
in 2008, I left Japan in 2008, and uh, he. But proposed. then you have to say that you oh, came to. Oh, 2006. Oh, 2006. He December 2006, Christmas Day, he proposed. Yeah. Yeah, he proposed. Oh. Yeah. So it's almost your the anniversary of your proposal. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and yeah. then um. You then came to Puerto Rico. Went to Puerto Rico 2007. 2007 to meet his family in 2007. Yeah. Love his mother. Oh, she's so adorable. Uh, and uh, my mother is awesome. Mm. I can tell it. Anybody, <laughs> I, I got lucky. <laughs> and so, yeah. And um, then 2009, I came up on the fiance visa in Wisconsin and we got married in Wisconsin yeah. because we had to do it within 90 days. And so it was just us and two witnesses. And so we got married in Wisconsin. And 2009, yeah. on um, Good Friday, it was uh, April 10th. Good Friday, we got married. Wow. And um, um, yeah, yeah, and that's it. And then we, we moved yeah. from we, <laughs> when he's finished with his studies, we decided where to go. Yeah. Was it Chicago? Because we had friends in Chicago, and we had friends down here. And Chicago was still cold like Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not supposed to be. I this. was gonna and, say. Oh my God, it was so. Cold. And I went in the middle of winter. No. I left Jamaica and went to Wisconsin middle of winter. No. no so no, um. No. Yeah, so we came, we decided for Georgia because it has the airport, it's kind of one hop from yep. here to Puerto Rico or from here to Jamaica. Yeah. So we kind of central to going home. Yeah. That's so that's and, and also because um, there's a big community of um, Jamaicans here. Yeah. Yeah. Not not that many Puerto Ricans, but it's, it's growing. But yeah, the Caribbean and also the African communities. We really wanted, big. Yeah, yeah, we're looking yeah. somewhere diverse also. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So Georgia was, the weather is good yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Um, I'm still not a winter girl, but um, yeah. yeah it's nice. So it's it's pretty good, and mm -hmm. we've we've had some really lovely friends yeah. here and all that stuff. So it's been going pretty. That's pretty, pretty amazing. good. Yeah. What an yeah. amazing path around the world and and together again and now, gracing us in in the Athens area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about what what you're raising right now. What you're growing. Any like tell us about. Yeah. What what does Caribe United look like? Oh, so we're a poultry farm. So we, we do mainly, mainly we're mainly poultry farm. Um, so we do chickens, ducks, turkeys, guinea fowl. Um, we also uh, we also have some geese, a couple of geese also. So that's what we do. We do organic and we also do non-GMO because yeah. we want to give our customers options, you know, mm -hmm. sure. you know, so. Um, so that's what we do. We also do farm fresh eggs. So we do duck eggs, chicken eggs and guinea fowl eggs. Um, and we are now we're now this holiday season so what is holiday without some sorrel and some rum cakes mm. and some coquito so we try Those to bring caribbean goodies. <laughs> we try to bring some caribbean goodies uh yes. to the forefront also caribbean so. flavor yes uh, to the <laughs> yeah. but next so. year also we're expanding to do um backyard um pork, pork. yeah oh, oh yeah great. i forgot yeah. about the pigs we have yeah. some pigs now too so we will have backyard pork um come yeah april Wow. March, April, they're about yes. Are you gonna have a roast anytime soon? Is that a good mm -hmm. a roast? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe when we when we can all be together again. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. funny because I'm um, back in Jamaica. Her family, they were in charge of a small um. They call it run shop. Run shop is a place where you can buy stuff, and also you can buy little bit of alcohol beer yeah but um each weekend like saturdays and sundays they do they cook for the community and they sell and they do um what is called jerks um mm -hmm. pork and jerk chicken yeah yeah so roasting or, or doing some grilling is part of jamaica i guess um yeah yeah living experience yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It is. It is. What have you learned farming as a couple and and raising animals in particular, which just has just like a whole another layer of complexity to it? Um, it's a challenge. <laughs> you good. Um, it's a challenge in terms of uh, um, organization and who is doing this or who is doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, because we are um, a company with only two employees, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> um, and my wife, my wife, excuse me, she was she's a full-time teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a full-time staff, um, but now I'm doing this full-time. Um, it's a challenge. Uh, sometimes and we fight sometimes oh, yeah. you know um we get pretty tired so we yeah. we fight in terms of you do this you do that um but we manage at the end of the day um because at, at least myself i have always in my mind that you know these animals they give their life for us um we we have to give them a a good life. A good yeah. life. Seriously, yeah. we, we, we do. We I, think I, about them. I tell people that we treat our animals more, better than more than we treat ourselves. Better than we yeah. treat ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> they are, yeah. They're well. They're well taken care of. Um, mm -hmm. they get fresh water every day. Sometimes yeah. twice a day, depending on how hot it is. And um, yeah, they're yeah. good. Not they're only good. not only that, but I I think for to be a good farmer, you have to sit down and, and take a look at your animal and see, um how they you know they their uh, behavior you know how what they are doing what they are not doing you need to know who they are you know <laughs> as an animal yeah. you know as a pig or chicken whatever so you they can attain their needs yeah yeah, yeah. They are um, personalities there. and also when when we take our um, animals to the processing um it's really difficult and painful mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. so if you don't have that um that conflict without you, that challenge, you know, in terms of taking your animals now to process, I don't think you're a good farmer, you know? Yeah. You need to have that empathy. struggle, empathy. that sure. empathy and empathy. that struggle, yeah. you know? And, and also, we, we, we also tend to give thanks, you know, thank them for, mm -hmm. oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, we have to, we have to thank them for, you know, giving us food exactly. before all that, you know, yeah. so it's. Yes, people may think it's weird, but <laughs> that's just no, us. No, <laughs> I, I think it's really beautiful. I think there's a, there's, it's poetic, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think one one conversation within talking to other farmers is is how much like honor and respect comes up. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. yeah. we're you're honoring the land and how you're raising the animals. You're yeah. honoring and thanking these animals, and yeah, you know, you're honoring your your family's background in farming. You know, carrying that on. There's so much tied to it that is spiritual. Yeah. It is. Even though this is a business, um, we are here to make money. Um, that yeah. doesn't mean that we we have empathy for them. We 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 take care of them. So I think business um, commercial can also have that um, mm -hmm. that um, side. You know, the side of you being human and understanding. You know that you need. What you are doing, you know. Yeah, you absolutely. Doing. Well, that's what's been taken out of agriculture, I exactly, think, yeah. in yeah. a large yeah, way, yeah, yeah. and to its detriment. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, talk about you know we're in the middle of the thank of the holidays. We just passed Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. and Christmas, and and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, and everything is coming up now. Do y'all have any space right now for some? rest for some like you're both like <laughs> smiling yeah like how do you what do is you, that <laughs> <laughs> what is that i am <laughs> laughing because we just i just had thanksgiving break a week of thanksgiving break and um 
there was no break. Yeah, <laughs> more space for work. It's, it's yeah. just work. I mean, it's 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 yes, I have my um my 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 planning. I have to do my planning and correcting papers for, and for my teaching position. Sure, yeah. The planning, the grading papers, and you know, teaching and all that stuff. And then I come home and it's um, gathering eggs and candling eggs and um, mm-hmm. feeding the animals and loading the freezers and mm-hmm. and you know watering them. So it's it's just yeah, it just keeps yeah. going. Yep. And then the markets because we do two markets. We do the Athens Farmers Market uh-huh. and we do the Grand Park Market. Yeah. And so both continue through winter. Both yes. of those yes. markets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's just an ongoing cycle and um, I mean. We will be like this until we get to the point where we can employ others, you mm-hmm. know? That's the aim mm-hmm. in order yeah. where we can employ others to kind of take over so we can have more time to, yeah. to do. Yeah, being a farmer at this scale is not easy. Um, we are doing this interview. I'm thinking about my animals that I have to go back and give them water, feed, this and that, yeah. and see how they are doing. Um, also, the other day I was, talk- I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about being a farmer and I said that, you know, some people, they have this romantic idea of mm-hmm. being a farmer, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Um, but you have to love the good and the bad. And the bad, yeah. No, it's, it's not only when you are doing well. It's not only when you are um, taking care of the animal there. They're moving around. They're happy for you. But it's also when it's raining with a lot of mud and when you have to put your hand and it's pee or poop everywhere. Yeah. Um, you have to like, yeah, you need to love that the also. The good, the yeah. bad, and the ugly. Yeah. yeah. The oh, dirty yeah. with the clean. Oh, yes. Yeah. All that. Well, let me, let me ask you, like, what I'm trying to understand is, you know, with a lot of the farmers that we've spoke, that I've spoken to so far, I understand, like, there is no off. Like, no, you just, there's, there's always something to no. do. But at the same time, there's so much need, especially with this year, with the pandemic and with the, um, ongoing, you know, challenge for establishing racial justice and all mm-hmm. of these big, you know, there's your day-to-day nonstop work. Mm-hmm. There's these big, huge, you know, things going on around us. How are y'all, where do you find a little bit of, like, maybe it's restoration. Maybe well, it's not rest. Yeah, I, I guess you are touching in, in a topic that is really um, not only in, interesting to us, but is yeah. who we are, because you're, you're not only talking about being a farmer, but you're talking about social justice and diversity and who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other side of um, our business, you know. Um, we are people of color. Um, I'm a black um, Latino or mm-hmm. Afro-Caribbean. You have, I, I have um, many identities, but the main one is, you know, I, I, I feel like Afro-Caribbean. So my wife also she's an Afro-Caribbean. So we are not we are not only farmers, small farmers, but we are also farmers of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big, you know. And we're trying to represent um, the people, the community. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we are trying to teach our own community that you still can make money, and you still can have a good life being a farmer. Mm-hmm. It's not easy because it's not easy, but at the end of the day, you are your own boss you 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 are the driver of your journey mm-hmm. and you can take this um business um this um situation as far as you want you know yeah so we are trying to teach everybody um also we are trying to teach the majority saying hey we just need access we just need um fairness yeah and we can take this to another level also yeah you know if we get that 
Um, it's not only good for us, for our community, it's good for everybody. So yeah, that's the other dimension that we want to, we emphasize, you know. Yeah. Um, that's in our um, mission of um, state, Mission statement. Statement, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the values that we, we do, we are as a company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what have you learned, you know, in your in your time farming here, especially, you know, in Georgia, we're in the deep south. Mm -hmm. You know, what have you observed? What are your hopes? What do you what do you see being, you know, farmers of color in the south in a in a very, you know, big ag capitalist driven mm -hmm. system? You know, y'all are y'all are doing what y'all are doing it the right way and i think that can be a bit of a revolutionary act too you know well my hope is that um in general we can get we can have more um access, access to mm. land um yeah. more opportunity to sell um and have more people doing this um and also more people learning and understanding what we do and and there is a good benefit in buying from us um, yeah because the, the the quality of the food that we are um, providing to the people is, is amazing you know mm -hmm. we take a chicken what people they think is, is something simple as a chicken but we farm the chicken 24 7 outside the grass and it's a good quality chicken and we also give the chicken a good life so mm -hmm. Not only to the chicken, but to the pigs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and so you you taste the difference in the meat. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, based on how we raise our animals, you will taste the difference in the meat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, for me, I just it, it. There are times when I I, I people will come up and uh, when they see that we we sell chickens that we're farmers they're like what you raise what chickens? I said yes. <laughs> you know, so there there's an element of surprise that we get. And I mean, historically, you know, farming, based on the history of it, uh, you won't find, uh, we need to re-educate, yes. <laughs> you know, our, our people to say that this is something to be proud of, you know, something mm -hmm. that you you can do and should do and is really good for you and providing quality food for yourselves, you mm -hmm. know, so getting people, um, people, more people of color involved in farming and, you know, bringing healthy And it's food. happening, you know, yeah. we know there's yeah. a community here, um, really, really um, good people, nice people, we support each other, yeah. um, we follow, um, we follow them through Instagram, they follow us and we help each other. Um, that's really blessing. It's, yeah. It is a blessing because um, the support here has been pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. that much. Yeah. We, and where where we are, not because of ourselves. Yeah, you yeah. know, we get help along the way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. We, we need to say big up for these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, we get help along yeah. the way. We love we, you. We didn't do it on our. <laughs> we did not do it on our own. Yeah. 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 You can't. We can't. You can't. It's you can't. way too hard. Yeah. It's way too hard to do it on our own, and and we have a, an amazing support system yeah yeah, yeah. and, and pretty, athens pretty awesome. also yeah. is being an atlanta to yeah amazing the community amazing the, community. the community in the Very different supportive. farmers market yeah. is, yes. is really good the other farmers too you know um the customers you yeah know, everyone has been very, very supportive. Yeah. So far, we haven't had a bad experience. It's been pretty, pretty good. That's no, great. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, and I was wondering that too, you know, with, with Georgia and with often, you know, farmers are so spread out, but 
Does social media play a big role in how you're oh, able yeah. to connect and foster community? Like yeah. among, far, you know. Social media is a new way to um, not only promote your business, but creating community. Yeah. Um, basically, you learn what other people they are doing, what other people they are not doing. Mm -hmm. um, again, people, they help you. Um, so, yeah, I think social media is, will be, not only is playing now, but will be playing more of a role. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely, yeah. Well, on that note, tell people how they can find you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can follow media. us on Instagram at Caribe United Farm. We're on Facebook also. Um, we are also have www.caribeunitedfarm.com. We have a store that you can shop on. Online. Online. That's great. Um, we do deliver in Athens area, Athens and the surrounding areas. We do deliver here. For Atlanta and the surrounding areas, there's a minimum of an $85 purchase plus mm. a $15 delivery fee. We're all the way out in Athens, in, in Oglethorpe County. So, That's you know, it's a, a haul. Yeah. You know? but, but if you want to avoid <laughs> that fee, what you can do is to um, make the purchase online and then come and pick up. At the Grand Park Farmer's oh, Market. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. You can also do that for the Athens Farmer's Market, too. You can order online and pick it up at the Athens Farmer's Market also. That's yes. great. That's great. And t and tell us one more time, what are some of those the amazing sounding holiday things you have? Okay, so I want to hear about this rum cake I have, specifically. I have <laughs> rum. I do rum cakes. I have those fruits soaking since last year in some rum and wine. <laughs> rum cake, a.k.a. <laughs> Christmas cake. cake. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas cake. That's how we say it. Christmas cake. cake. Yeah. Cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I do make I do make um rum cakes and we have sorrel. So there's no Christmas without sorrel and rum cake and Christmas that cake. Amazing. In Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot have a Christmas without your without rum cake, your Christmas cake and your sorrel. And like in the same like yeah. at the same meal? At yeah. the same oh, yeah. meal. Okay. After you've had your your curry chicken and your ham oh. and your curry goats and your jerk pork, you're going to have for dessert, you're gonna have the Christmas cake and the sorrel. Okay, stop with Jamaica now Puerto Rico. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, hold yes. on, hold on. Represent, yeah, because I, I have to represent my country. Okay, so we sell coquito. Coquito is mm. the yeah. Uh, you know, we like eggnog. Don't get me wrong. I love um egg. I love eggnog. Yeah. Eggnog. Put some rum in it. Oh mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, we Caribbean people. We like rum. Okay. Um yeah. Just saying that um coquito is um is is how can I say it? It's coconut milk um based Base. um. Yes. Eggnog without the egg, uh -huh. so same, it's creamy. Same herbs and like yeah. a, well, a, some a spices are the same, like cinnamon, yeah. nutmeg, yeah, um, yeah, and other secrets that we are not gonna say oh. here. <laughs> but it's really nice, you know. Um, um, it's really creamy and also is really good with rum or any type of alcohol. Vodka. But you don't need to drink alcohol. You don't you know? have to put alcohol in it, yeah. or you can. Make, put it in your ice cream maker and make a lovely ice cream oh. from it. Or in your coffee too? Uh, yes, you can put it in your coffee too. Yeah. Or what I, I like it frozen. I'll put it in the freezer and freeze it a bit. Not hard, but like the shavy ice. And oh, you just take yes. a, a fork yeah. or a spoon and just eat that. It's so Or drink good. it like that. It's liquid ice cream. Yes. Yes. It's nice. Oh, that yes. sounds amazing.
Yes. Oh, and more to come for the next um, year. We're going to be yeah. doing some other Caribbean goodies that we are not going to say because we don't want people to steal our secrets. <laughs> Good. That's it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. but, but stay tuned to your social media. Yes. Of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Always. Good. Okay, good. Yes. Well, y'all, anything else that we didn't cover? This has been such a good good conversation. I've, I've always enjoyed chat, chatting with y'all. Well, we didn't talk about our um, journeys um, throughout the different countries. Um, like the fact that we, we have been in... Um, in Ghana, Nigeria, yeah. and, I, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because for me, you know, I, I was a humanity um, student, uh -huh. so going to these different places, I always was go, I, I was going to the different markets, you know, so also part of why we are doing this is because I saw that in Nigeria, in Ghana, yeah. in Jamaica, in my own country. Here, actually, when I was um, doing my master in Wisconsin, they have a big farmer's market in Madison. Uh -huh. So we were just visiting all these nice places, talking to everybody. And I was like craving to do something like that. Um, so yeah, that's another aspect yeah. that we didn't touch, but you know, it's there. So kind of, you've always been drawn to food and the sort of food as business. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. My father, he was a butcher, so we didn't talk okay. about that. Oh, but yeah. My dad is many. a butcher, too. My dad is a butcher, too, and he's he was a butcher, but he he passed. Yeah, um, mine, too. So, yeah, yeah, they both passed, but, um, yeah, he was a butcher and a farmer. He, he did mechanic, but he didn't like that part of it, yeah. but he, he yeah. loved farming, and he did butchering, so. Wow. Yeah, always with the soil. Okay, yeah. Always yeah, with the and soil. With, and with the animals and yeah. understand it, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is really cool. And I'm glad you brought that up, the travel piece, because that is so, it's so important. And I've always found that it, it's through travel that I've gotten even closer to my own roots mm -hmm. of yes. like my family's food and yes. like what we grew is like by observing other cultures, other peoples, other families. I'm also a big, and a big tip to do when you visit different yeah. countries, go to the market. Mm, oh, yeah. yeah. The market go to is, the yeah. market. And yeah. you're going to also look to see where you have the crowd eating. Yep. Yep. And that is where you're going to try the food also. Uh-huh. I know maybe not or everywhere, the farmers, but... Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't look We're, at Yelp. Don't, no, 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 Yelp. no, yeah. no, no. You don't want to go to the to where too touristy place. You need no. to go to the, where the authentic thing is. Yeah. Yeah, and you will get the real... Yeah. Yes. You know, the, the market is like the cosmos um, in each um, city, in each culture, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the place to go so you you can learn about the people, you know. Absolutely. What they're eating, what they're not eating, um, what type of tradition do they have when they're eating this or that, you know. So it's, it's important to go and see. Yeah. yeah. And too, when you come from a place where you... Or when you go to a market and you see like the similarities. Too, oh yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Oh, they yeah. they have you know I'm trying to think of an example, but like their squashes here are yeah. so crazy. But I bet they have the you know. No, that's yeah. that's when you have the opportunity to see that even when we are when we look different when we are different, um, we have some commonalities. You know, mm -hmm. and yes. we are we're more alike than we're different. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And even with our food. We, you'll find that we have we use the same ingredients. It may mm -hmm. just be prepared differently, or some may use a lot more spice than others, you know. But we use the same things to create meals, just different tastes. Yeah. In it. Definitely. Yeah, and that's basically food connects people. So. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah. That's a huge. You know, I I kind of came to this side of things with George Organics via the restaurant side. Of, you know, via mm -hmm. the the via sharing meals together and. I use the word communion a lot, kind of devoid of the religious sense, but mm -hmm. just in the sense that like communion is is a coming together and a binding together and a you know sharing this experience. 
And now you can do that over a great meal. Oh, and yeah. you can go even further and, and connect with the farmers and, and see where it came out of the soil and get yeah. right to the source. And that's yeah. special. Just to add to that, yeah. my mother, you never ever visit my house and leave empty handed, mm -hmm. right? She always puts you some, leave, give you something to go home with. But not <laughs> only that, there's always a meal there for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if she's cooking, you're not leaving until the meal is cooked and everybody <laughs> gets a taste of it. Yes. And so at home, you don't have to call to say, can I come over? Mm -hmm. Or is anybody there? You just appear. Yeah. And I miss that so much. Yeah. And I keep saying to my friends, you don't have to, you know, just come just by, come swing by. by the house. Come yeah. by, you know. But it's a different culture here. I know. And I miss that a whole lot. Just popping up and we just sit, chat, cook, eat, yep. sit and chat, you know. So that part of it I really, really miss. And, and I've been creating a little bit of that. I'm I'm, I'm roping Good. Sarah in. Yeah. the Farmers Market. Sarah will just, I say, she'll just say, come on over and, you know, yeah. and we sit, eat, chat can eat That's listen really we're same page i had this idea pre-pandemic of course yeah but we're like sundays i would just say like the doors open yeah mm -hmm. and i'd cook up something like a bright big breakfast or fried chicken or like yeah. something big yeah. and just say come on over yeah because that was yeah. like kind of my grandmother's generation yeah. she yeah. grew yeah. up in norcross actually yeah. and door was open and you have something in the fridge or on the stove ready to go ready to go yeah, yeah you don't know so. i did not do that Next up, Gardening with Farmers, where we hear from the real experts, the farmers around the state of Georgia whose expertise and hard-earned knowledge can help your at-home fruit and vegetable gardens thrive. Hello, I am Dr. Brian Campbell. I'm the chair of the Environmental Science and Studies Department at Barry College up in Mount Barry, Georgia, just outside Rome. Uh, I'm also a leading member of the Rome Food Oasis where we are tackling food insecurity here in the city of Rome. And right now, this uh, late fall time of year, I am making sure to remove any debris from the previous plants that I've grown. And I'm getting things like radishes and mustard greens and collard greens and lettuces and spinaches going in my garden. And to ensure that they can survive all through the winter, what I like to do is put in some, some kind of a framework over my bed and then um, cover it with floating row covers. Sometimes as a seed saver, I use floating row covers to prevent pollination. But in the winter, I like to use floating row covers to create a little bit of a greenhouse effect in my garden beds to ensure that those winter crops can make it all through the season and you know grow productively all through um, the early spring. And then I can also jumpstart some of my spring crops by continuing to use those floating row covers. Perfect. Nailed it. That was great. Yes, that was great. Well, thank awesome. you so much. And that's it. I'm good. You are very welcome. Um, I, in the future, I would like to be more active with George Organics. In the past, I've, I've been a member and, and on and off, and I've gone to some of the meetings and, um, so it's nice to connect with you guys through the Rome yes. Food Oasis and just in general. You as well. And let me make sure I've got your email. I, I just I... shot you an email. I wasn't sure how to jump back on, but Perfect. it worked out just fine. Yep, there you are. Okay, great. Well, I'll, um, I'll definitely keep in touch. And 
I'm not, do you do you interact with Suzanne Gardner much with GFO? Probably that's that's Bobby. Uh, we more did. So. I think we did previously at one. Of, she came to one of our Rome Food Oasis meetings. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I'd love to do, if if you're okay with it, I'll put you on our our mailing list for that goes to our, our some of our farmer members. Um, Good. And you could definitely hop on. We're we're going to be doing a couple webinars coming up and just things that our farmer services team, which I think, I think you would just seriously vibe with our farmer services team because they're just so nerdy and brilliant about all of these things. So yeah, I'll definitely get you kind of plugged into a couple things. Awesome. Well, it was very nice to meet you. You as well. And thanks. I'll talk to you soon. The Lark Wine Space is a beautiful new addition to Athens located in the former Avid Bookstore space on Prince Avenue. I recently sat down at a masked distance with owner and sommelier Krista Lark Slater, who also co-owns The Expat. We talked about her background in wine, art, entrepreneurship, and her decidedly unpretentious approach to great wine, with a special emphasis on natural and biodynamic wines, as well as women winemakers. We also got a few of her picks for great holiday wines. Enjoy. All right, it is a really beautiful Saturday morning in Athens, and we are in the Lark, a lovely new, what, three week old? Three weeks old, yeah. Three week old, beautiful wine shop in Athens. Um, and I'm here with Krista Lark Slater, and we're just going to talk about wine and being a woman in business and all kinds of good things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all of that. All of that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, Krista, tell us about your background. It, it's funny, I was trying to think when we actually met, it might have been it, like when we very first met, and I honestly couldn't pinpoint it. If it would have been, I'm sure it was through Todd, through Chef Todd Richards and Todd Melissa. Richards. That makes sense. I believe it was probably after we had closed our Atlanta restaurant. Okay. H. Yep. River Station. Yep. Um, maybe through Charleston Wine and Food yeah. events. I can't. I, I distinctly remember the first time we got to like fully hang out, which was at Charleston Wine and Food. <laughs> the wine room. At the wine. So that's yes. appropriate. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's great to, to chat with you in this capacity and yeah, kind of walk us through your, your career in wine. Okay. So like so many people, I think in food and in wine, especially, um, it was kind of a roundabout journey, uh, from a, a failed first round. Well, not failed. Um, I started out, so my, I have a degree in visual arts and art history yeah. and, and my goal was to always, uh, eventually end up in like a museum curation role. Yeah. And I had worked in, uh, a museum in Orlando, Florida, um, in the educational department, and I just realized that I wasn't going to get anywhere without going further and further through education channels with a master's yeah. degree, PhD, and uh, I was at the same time considering that I was getting really into wine, yeah. just drinking it and yeah. <laughs> loving it, and I had um, I did study in in uh, Germany during my uh, undergrad in the uh, Mosul region at the University of Koblenz, I was studying um, culture and um, art history. And that is kind of where I got the wine bug. Like, yeah. just ger not everyone's traditional first place. I think France is I love often. that, that it was, ger yeah. Yeah, so I just started going to wine tastings in these beautiful little um, riverside vineyards. And just, it, it clicked for me that so much about what I love with the study of art history um, I found in wine 
think, you know, this connection to culture and people and um, social climate mm-hmm. and in addition to actual climate and geology that wine is just another media for people to express yeah. their selves and their history. It's just grapes instead of paint. So I um, took this, this wild uh, 180 of sorts and decided to study wine for a professional pursuit. So I moved from uh, Florida to California um, mm-hmm. to the, the Bay Area and went through a culinary program that specialized in wine that actually um, culminated in the certified level exams with the quartermaster sommeliers. Yeah. Um, I unexpectedly, but not surprisingly, fell in love with the Bay Area and stayed out there for a few years as a sommelier, um, wine educator, bartender, whatever. Yeah. And and then, uh, for long story short, personal reasons, moved back to the South in 2008. Yeah worked in retail and wholesale in wine. And then when I met my now husband, um, got pulled back into the restaurant side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, so how did you meet, I've heard this story, but I think it's great anyway. How did you meet Jerry? (laughs) And because I, you know, when I first met him, it was through, again, Chef Todd Richards and their work together at One Flew South and then frequenting H. Harper Station. Um, so what's y'all's story? And, and I'll say too, y'all own the expat here in Athens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have a, a really just like almost too cute of a meet cute story. <laughs> um, it's, it's like a Meg Ryan movie from the 90s. <laughs> I went on a, a blind date uh, to H. Harper Station, his, his restaurant. Um, I did not know Jerry, but I went on a blind date there at the bar when he had just opened. It was like 2011. Yeah. And... Um, I was waiting on the date to arrive and Jerry happened to be behind the bar and helped me pick out a cocktail and I found him far more charming and interesting (laughs) than the date actually ended up being. So I just started bringing dates to the (laughs) H. Harper station for the hopes of seating this cute bartender that I had no idea was the actual business owner. (laughs) And then I realized that was super unhealthy and so I told myself that I was not going to go to H. Harper station anymore. And um, at the time, I was working um, freelance with a, a wine broker that was, we were also doing consulting on some projects. And so I was at a trade tasting, like a wine trade show, um, in the Georgian Terrace Hotel. Yeah, yeah. And was at a table, and my business partner had to take a phone call. And then out of nowhere, I was tasting right next to the cute bartender from <laughs> H. Harbor Station. Serendipitous. And we... Uh, we went and had a drink afterwards because I guess he wasn't, he, it's not like he didn't notice that I was showing up to the <laughs> bar all, constantly. Like um, half distracted on these other days, yeah. like, but not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just like one of those people, like the just instant connection yeah. and never kind of, it was just, you know, the yeah. rest is history. Man. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Well, talk about the process of, of opening the Lark. Um, when did you start thinking about it? I mean, yeah, how long have you wanted to have your own your own space? And then how did you find this space? Because it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. So this business model is something that I've wanted to do for about 12 years. Yeah. Ever yeah. since I started bartending at wine bars in California, um, I just fell in love with, I actually worked at a place, a small little place in Redwood City, California called Savvy Cellar. I don't know if I think it's there anymore, oh, but yeah. um, it was a wine bar, wine shop. Yeah. And um, I just loved 
like that like customer interaction where you're pouring wine and then you get to know somebody's palate and then you're like okay here's a few more recommendations it was just yeah. everything I love about hospitality and service <laughs> yeah without the stresses of restaurants yeah it's a lot easier to just pour people wine than it is to feed them their 90th their grandmother's 90th birthday party dinner okay. yeah you know that yeah, kind of yeah, stress. Yeah. Um, so I loved the concept I always wanted to do it my way uh-huh um, so I've had this in the back of my mind since then, since the early 2000s. And when I moved to Georgia, I initially had the idea that I wanted to live in Savannah and oh, open yeah. this mm -hmm. there. Um, but I ended up moving to Atlanta. Yep. Um, and we actually, when we were still living in Atlanta, I had looked at a few places like Krog Street Market oh, yeah. and other different markets. But I truly believe that the space dictates the concept that Absolutely. you can't force the concept into a space. Yeah. So, um, well, and especially with your creative background, like that, would, I can imagine that's the, heightened. The aesthetics are everything for me in, in all, and that is, yeah, and I never get rid of my artistic approach to yeah. anything. <laughs> um, but when we opened the expat here, um, we knew that we wanted to do more concepts that were an extension of the, the kind of experience brand that we created there. Mm -hmm. um, this space was formerly the original location for Avid Bookshop, our, mm -hmm. our local Athens beloved independent Wonderful bookseller. Wonderful Avid, yeah. Also a woman-owned company, she's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, she'd made the hard decision, but probably actually very advantageous pre-COVID, um, decision to shut this location uh, the end of last year. Yeah. And Jerry and I saw it, we were on a walk and we were, I was looking at social media and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's, so sad. Yeah. And then five seconds later, and that's a perfect location for the oh Lark. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and it was, we were only about a year and a half old um, at the expat when this space became available and it seemed a little early in yeah. the, in the evolution of business. Like, you know, you kind of want to make the first location profitable before you open the second business. But I also knew that sp this space was one yeah. of a kind and that we would just make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah. How yeah. special too, because I know <laughs> like you and Jerry are both, um, book lovers and you know music lovers and creative that this already had such a like creative spirit to it just the space yeah yeah this good energy in here and um the owner of avid janet Geddes, has given us full blessing she was like thank yeah. you literally said to us on a phone call thank you so much for making my dreams come true oh. that another small local business yes. took over my spot yeah and we actually um, have a shelf of books here. I always wanted to sell books, wine-related books, yeah. and we partnered with Avid as our book source wow, for those books. Great. So it, the legacy lives on in the location. So good. And so she knows that y'all will be good stewards of this, yeah. of this place. Special space. Yeah. Well, tell us about some of the wines you've selected. I, I think it's funny that we're sitting here masked up, but also like taking little mask breaks to sip wine as we're talking. I think it's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 literal beauty of this space has also become the um, logistical beauty of this space. Maybe people can probably hear cars in the background. Yeah. Um, we have some beautiful um, 10 foot tall windows that are original mm. to the space that we were able to cut open. They were painted shut for many years. Yeah. Um, and so we've allowed some airflow, which yep. all, um, all of the intelligent people with all the <laughs> yeah. scientific knowledge tell us that that's the most vital element. So um, we just have a, a policy where, you know, you're welcome to come in and taste wine. Just wear a mask while you're not t sipping. Yeah, is our yeah. Goal. that's great. Um, so 
the whole ethos of the Lark has always been about um, sourcing wines the way we source food. Yeah. We, you know, we're North Georgia, no offense, there are some winemakers and some of them are good, but we, we can't keep it all local. But what yeah. we try to do is keep it all small, keep it all producers that are uh, good stewards of the land, yeah. that are um, farming responsibly, organically, biodynamically, that are yep. minimal intervention, no, no chemicals, no herbicides, no pesticides. Um, and we also want to support small. So much of what we carry are our family operations, whether yeah. they are ninth generation or it's a young husband and wife who just started 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, we also try to keep it interesting. We don't want to have the, the same thing that you'll find everywhere else. We also try to keep it delicious. We're not just trying to be um, <laughs> hipster wine cats yeah. that want to out uh, out natural wine. Meal. Oh yeah. So yeah. we have both. We have a broad range of wines that are very, very traditional, very classic. Like you know, these two bottles sitting in front of me. We have yeah. this beautiful Chinon, a very traditional uh, wine from the Loire Valley, 100% Cabernet Franc. Beautiful textbook to the style. Um, but the producer is doing all organic farming. They're using no added sulfur. Yeah. Just really uh, graceful and elegant. And then we have you know Matthew Cost, a much more um, kind of experimental. Yeah. Uh, wild wine that's very much alive and, and vibrant and not your standard classic French item on the list. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, wine for everybody. That's what we're going for. I love it. Well, you know, obviously that's really, uh, those are some traits that are important to Georgia Organics work and the, the work that we believe is right for the environment and for the soil in Georgia. You know, what do you think from a wine perspective is the value of, of of these vineyards taking a natural approach of, of avoiding chemicals and you know farming biodynamically etc well i think in regards to farming i think in addition to just being better for the planet yeah um i think it's better for your body yeah absolutely <laughs> uh anytime that you're you're putting fewer and fewer chemicals into it it's also at, at the very core of what i do is i want to sell people delicious wine yeah and i think that when you're going um from a standpoint of farming the right way from not uh, not adding chemicals to not over processing your wine. Sure. Yeah. The same approach to food. I mean, I think just it's a, you let the beautiful ingredient shine. Yeah. You don't have to over manipulate it. Just like good cooking, I think, is the most simple. Yeah. You just have the, the ingredient at the height of the season. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's also like, you know, winemakers that have perfected what works well where they're from but winemakers that are also not afraid to break the rules yeah. um, to make something better. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to ask you to play favorites, but for folks that are listening, are there some good wines to look out for? Maybe it's particular regions that are really that are really focused on growing naturally. Um, well, I think it, there's yeah. so right, there's <laughs> so much overwhelming, you know, kind of hipster stuff out there about natural wine that it you know, how do you kind of divide the, I don't know, like the, the marketing from the truly good, yeah. responsibly produced wine? Well, I mean, I think the best, it's, it all comes down to what you enjoy. If yeah. you, you know, if you enjoy weird and wild and funky, great. There's, there's a lot of that. Um, I, I tend to be old school in my approach to balance. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, it can be funky, 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 as long as it's balanced wine. Yeah. Um, 
that's not answering your question. Uh, in regard to regions, I mean, there, <laughs> there might not be an answer. You know, yeah. element everywhere in the world that wine is being made. There is great wines being made responsibly. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites, just because there's so much stylistically to explore, is Loire Valley yeah. in France. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I'm an innovator by saying that, but <laughs> it's just true. You know, if we all get on board with it, it's because it's right. Sure. Um, Loire Valley, there's so many um, producers that are exploring uh, natural approaches in the sense of like responsible farming, biodynamic farming, you know, in response to the lunar cycle, mm-hmm. um, and doing very. Uh, little you know low sulfur no no chemical additives all that etc etc i like the region because there's just so many different styles you know you 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 go from one edge of the river to the other and you get these vibrant high mineral whites you can get these you know you go to sevenier you get these rich round chenin blanc uh cabernet franc is just such a beautiful red grape that takes so many different styles within the region yeah um but you can i think there's also so many places in the world to go uh I, I don't know if it's because I started in California in the wine world, but I stand up for California to yeah. a lot of people that think that it's all Napa Valley, mm-hmm. high alcohol, um, Chardonnay, Cabernet kind of things. Yeah. There's so much going on. There's so many um, interesting, uh, you know, female-run uh, wineries that are coming out of both Oregon and California. Yeah. Martha Stallman in California, yeah. Brianna Day in Oregon that are that are champions of terroir from their areas and that are literally one woman shows. Yeah, yeah. So um, I love to see that. I love to support. Because <laughs> it's so traditionally is not um, a women, a woman heavy industry, the winemaking right, world. So right. it's great to be able to champion great wines from yeah. badass women. Well, absolutely. And too, you know, to, to understand, you know, wineries from, yeah, where their women run, people of color. I think any anything like that is is also a good starting point mm-hmm. on on just what you're selecting. Yeah. But we, we go everywhere. You yeah. know, I have this really uh, I've wild, awesome Spanish wine right now they're pouring on the tasting menu that's blowing people's minds and yeah. um, falls into that canon. But even Bordeaux. I mean, yeah. there are amazing wines from everywhere. So yeah. just, I think, you know, what we try to um, promote here is just the open-mindedness. Sure. Like, whether it's too new and funky or whether it's to keeping an open mind to the classics. Because yeah. I think that's the thing that I get um, the most worried with is that this the, the natural wine movement, while it's so great, there are younger wine drinkers and wine professionals that are not exploring the very classic traditional regions. Yeah. And there's there's plenty of great wine being made responsibly in the classic styles too. Yeah, so. yeah, very cool, very good point to make. Yeah, don't don't neglect the classics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you talk about we're talking about um, woman-owned businesses, woman-owned wineries. What does being a woman in this industry mean to you? What are some of the challenges you've faced? I mean, I'm sure there's innumerable challenges, but or frustrations. I um, yeah, I mean. This, you know, in 2020, or, you know, in the last few years, it's it's not been that challenging, in my opinion. I yeah. feel like we thankfully have come a long way in um, highlighting women in positions of power and yeah. in, in, in yeah. positions of entrepreneurship. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think we still have a long way to go with, with people of color, and particularly women of color. But yeah. um, the wine industry has always been starting off pretty young. I, I, I went out to California when I was 24. 
before mm-hmm. um, and challenges of both my peers and my customers um, finding credibility in the in the ability of a woman sure. to have the knowledge and palette which seems just kind of ridiculous but it's yeah. always ridiculous um, <laughs> I think the one of the biggest challenges I have um, is as a husband and wife team sure yeah there's there's sometimes been this Jerry and his wife yeah in the sense yeah. of like Jerry as the the founder and the mastermind and Krista as the supportive yeah. spouse sure sure um, has been one and I will say to his credit Jerry is the first person to um, step up and step out of the way yeah he, yeah um, he's super supportive and um, but also respectful. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's hard. I think it, it's almost like one of those things where you kind of have to unwind all sure. the the toxic toxicity. Yeah, that you just kind of go, it's fine. Right. Um, but the challenge is just constantly being quizzed. Yeah. By by men, by women too. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, this like, oh, you're an expert. We'll prove it. Yeah. Rather than just being like, oh, you're an expert? That's awesome. Right. Let's try some new things. So, you know, at this point, I, 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 I choose not to feel a need to prove myself to people just yeah. to try and um, create an environment where everyone feels comfortable. And sure. if, if that's not the game you want to play, then there's plenty of other places for you to buy wine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Any, any advice that you would give to other younger young women coming into the wine world I mean hopefully right it's it's better hopefully it's getting better and it, there there hopefully. aren't as many hurdles but I don't know as long as the patriarchy is going to be around there's going to be hurdles so yeah I mean I think it's the best advice is just to keep keep do keep going forward yeah don't um I had you know I, I think in wine there's Especially through the quartermaster sommeliers, there was always this culture of wanting to um, prove you're part of the fraternity, mm, yeah. like the call-out game. I remember being called out by a, a sommelier that I will not mention, um, <laughs> introducing myself at a trade show and him seeing the pin and being like, quick, list all the Erstegewächs of Germany. And I'm like, what? You know, it's one of those oh, things where it's God. like... Is this? It's just you know. It's the pissing contest. Sorry. It's toxic toxic masculinity. It's It's toxic. It's just always, always, always quizzing, besting. You know the who's the better blind taster, and it doesn't really facilitate joy or hospitality. No. It just it's just proving your ability to make that three point shot. Right. Right. So I would encourage uh, young women to find other like minded young women Mm -hmm. and men in their industry and yeah. mentors yeah. that encourage um, knowledge and hospitality yes. over um, bragging points. Right. What it all comes down to, right? Connection, mm-hmm. you know, helping each other, hospitality, all of the positives. Yeah. And and while I think it's really valuable knowledge, and I think I've said this to you before, I would never um, discredit the education that I received sure, yeah. through the quartermaster sommeliers. It got me where I, I am now. Um, I think there's things that are very useful for me that a customer doesn't care about. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, embracing the fact that this is all about joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one cares. This, you know, not everyone needs to know that you know all the soil types of Galicia, but, like, <laughs> um, 
but encourage people to not be afraid to talk about wine. Sure. I think yeah. that was always my thing, like this elitism where it's like, I'm afraid to tell you what I think about this wine because I'm going to be wrong. Mm, yeah. And that just like art, there is no wrong opinion. Yes. That's it's, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's what you enjoy. So it's like, if you know, or it's what you're experiencing. You yeah. Know, a, a painting means many things to many people, regardless of what the artist's intent was. Yeah. So that's what we try to promote and encourage here. Yeah. And just keep. So yeah. The advice is like, don't be afraid to go for your dream. Yeah. And um, if someone tries to belittle <laughs> your experience, just like find another person yeah. to be around. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, it's 2020. It's too, sh- life's too short to be connected to toxic people. Amen. Just because, yes. just because they're in a, pe- a position of superiority in, in your industry. Just yes. find somebody else. Yeah. Find somebody else. <laughs> well, let's talk real quick as we kind of wind down. Let's talk about what to drink over the holidays. What are your, what are some of your favorite things to, um, maybe it's seasonal, particularly seasonal things. Yeah, well, so, I mean, we just came through the great season of Gamay, yeah. the Beaujolais um, Thanksgiving connection, which I don't think there's ever a bad time to drink Beaujolais, so yes, I fully encourage I the embrace of that year-round. Um, I'm, I'm super, right now, my mentality is all about uh, cold-weather white wine. Mm, okay. Um, I, love, I love white wine. It is actually my preference. I'm an acid freak. I love all that. But see, like, come come like mid-September, I just switched to red only. I think yeah. just out of default. But this is very interesting. And so, that's great. Okay. I think it's, but it's like, maybe you don't want to drink that, you know, light and zippy Riesling or Sauvignon Blanc, sure, per se. Yeah. I mean, I do. But <laughs> um, yeah, in, in Florida and in San Francisco, there are no, like, huge seasonal shifts. So we just drink whatever we want all the time. Um, <laughs> But I think it's like you can find like food and weather appropriate whites, like, you know, like it's like the sweater weather whites, richer, Ooh, yeah. richer on the palate. There's some really, um, I just brought in this one from um, Philippe Tassier. It's a Chevigny. It's a white from the Loire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not, you know, instead of being Sauvignon Blanc or Chenin Blanc, which is very common there, it's a grape called Romarentin. It's like butterscotch with oh. all the minerality of Sancerre. Yeah. It's like this, and it's like a weird mind game where you're like, this is so unctuous, but still refreshing. Yeah. And so those kind of whites can do well with your your cassoulet and, and all that. And um, so that's my jam. Uh, I mean, we're going now we're counting down to sparkling season. Oh, yeah. But yep. again, we should be drinking that all the time. Agreed. Um, I encourage people to not be afraid to buy a Magnum for the holidays. Yep, it looks amazing on the table. And it's it's only two bottles of wine, but you do look like the rock star that yes. brought this epic bottle to party with. Also, if we've made it through 2020, we deserve a magnum. Bring big wine. Yeah, bring big wine. It's yeah. a big year. Yeah. That's a big year. Yeah. But it's what's what's fun is like don't just think that magnums are just for I think sparkling wine people seem to do magnums, but like I love like I have a beautiful uh Cabernet Franc yeah. in magnum. I have uh, Peter Lauer's I have a 3 liter of Riesling on my table. <laughs> Y'all want to go ham? Let's do it. <laughs> Literally, with the ham. Riesling is good with ham. With the ham, thank you. Yes, good. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Don't feel like you just have to bring a big red because that's what dad drinks. Like, Maybe that's the way we smash the patriarchy too. Like, no, dad, thank I'm you. not bringing Cabernet to dinner. You're going to drink this four bottles of Riesling and you're going to like it. Mag- what, magnums and matriarch? I'm trying to think of like a... <laughs> 
mag the matriarchy. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll take it to we'll take it to market. Yeah, well, it's, it's, in, it's, it's in the works. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you should add? Ta- tell us a little bit about how to connect with the Lark and, and also expat, of course. Sure. Um, we I try to be. I'm a visual person, so I'm most active on Instagram. Yes. You can find the Lark at the Lark Wine Space. And you can find the expat at the expat Athens. Um, we are working on building our online ordering system nice. as we speak. We are we are trying to take our time and do it the right way versus yeah. just you know at this time of, you know in COVID times online ordering is crucial. But yeah. we wanted to make sure that our online ordering uh, model reflected our approach to wine. So we want to make it really interactive and help introduce people to wines that are new to them that are exactly the style that they want to drink. Very cool. So something that kind of like helps you choose your your adventure based on um, style rather than just being the traditional like red wine, Cabernet, got it. Yeah. So that's amazing because that's something, you know, I am a lover of wine, but I'm certainly by by no means fluent in it. I've always found being from being in the restaurant space and, and working on the PR side of things and eating out all the time, I would either tend towards cocktails because I like just directly can understand what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And so I love space. I love spaces like the Lark because it's so comforting when I come in here. And if I go into any other wine space, I'll be like, oh, I like, you know, minerality and, and body. And <laughs> I, I like throw out the adjectives I know. Right. Yeah. But you know it's hard with things going online and like if I go to an online you know wine space I'm kind of fumbling around so I love the idea that it's going to have a little bit of your sort of heart and knowledge and everything to help people that's really cool well that's our goal (laughs) yeah 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 uh, yeah. so if we look at uh, thelarkwinespace.com uh the website so coming soon if you go there now you can sign up for our email list which will also be our newsletter and all that jazz so Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Krista. Thank you so much. Appreciate Mary. it. I, what, what was this delicious red that I had? So you're drinking Eliane de Ross, um, which is, this, again, one of these super fun finds from lesser known regions in France. It's yeah. from the Côte de Marmande, which is uh, in the southwest of France. It's, south, it's below Bordeaux, so they do a lot with Bordeaux varietals like Cabernet Franc and Merlot. Um, but this star of this wine is a grape called Arbouriou, yeah. um, which is probably butchering it. But it's supposedly akin to Malbec but it has this interesting freshness it's like yeah. this hybrid of like Beaujolais meets Loire meets Bordeaux um, but with a singular you know Alian was the first winemaker in the region to make wine under the appellation um, it's a really cut farming area they're known more for tomatoes than grapes um, oh, I love that yeah but it's just it's just graceful and yeah. elegant dark fruit but freshness on the finish so for me if I'm this is the red I'm craving right now if I yeah it's wonderful it's wonderful I also just real quick too want to just speak to the fact that almost every label that I've seen you carry also just happens to be beautiful you're a fantastic illustrator <laughs> so it's very clear that like I know that you're going for the quality of what's inside but I'm ha- I'm grateful that it just so happens the the art in here is very yeah, I beautiful mean, it's I'm grateful too. Not every not every label is a, is a stunner, but um, oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's also something that's been great with this like kind of a new wine movement is to focus on the aesthetics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of really cool um, designs and 
yeah, I can't. I'm not. I'm not afraid to say that I'm drawn to funky labels too. <laughs> Have you? Are you? Can, are you still illustrating? Are you doing any? Uh, a little bit. I haven't yeah. done much this year. Um, other. I did some labels for um, Blended Family Spirits. Yeah, that, that fruit yeah. liqueur company out of Atlanta. Very cool. Um, I think I actually owe them one, <laughs> but they've been understanding. Uh, I'm hoping to actually design uh, a label. We're working with um, an old friend of mine to hopefully do a private label wine for the Lark. Oh, wow. Like our own custom um, wine. Again, with the same ethos of who we are, but might yeah. every vintage revolve like region and style of where it's from. Yeah. So I've been doodling a little bit on that. Very cool. Always yeah. good things on the horizons with, with <laughs> you and with Jerry and this family so Aww. I love it well thank you so much thank you what a pleasure to be on this yes thanks that's it for the Atlanta Foodcast stay tuned we'll be back in another two weeks and on behalf of Georgia Organics we're urging you to stay local this holiday season and beyond to learn more and become a member of Georgia Organics or find out other ways to directly support farmers visit www.georgiaorganics.org stay local happy holidays